0: right after Deuteronomy and just before Judges, book of Joshua. The Greek name is Jesus. The Hebrew name is Joshua. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Do you consider yourself a servant of Jesus? Can you see in your life the actions, the chances, the opportunities to serve him? And do you jump at those opportunities? One of the things that's neat in this first verse is Moses, which was a type of Christ, represented the law. And Moses is dead. And now Joshua is going to take them who is a type of Jesus, into the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land of milk and honey. You see, the law has to die in our lives in order for us to live in the newness of life within Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Are you still a person under the law? If you are, it's going to kill you. You want to be free for the abundant life that Jesus wants to give you and me. Now, one of the prayers, the prayer when I opened up this morning after Dave led us in worship was where are we in that journey? Are we still struggling? Are we still in a wilderness experience or have we entered into the promised land of God's abundant life or do we ping pong back and forth? Some days we're in those promises of God, and other days, boy, we're in a desert experience. We're struggling. We feel like we've lost God, and we're on that treadmill that's going too fast, and we're going backwards instead of holding our ground or going forward. This man, Joshua, whose name is Jehovah's Salvation, a type of Christ for us, a shadow of the coming of Jesus, was Moses' assistant. And just driving here today, I was thinking back when Moses picked up his tent and went outside the camp, if you remember the story. And he started building that tabernacle. And Joshua came with Moses. And all the people would watch what was going on. And they saw the Shekinah glory of the Lord over Moses' tent. And all the family members, the heads of the family would stand outside their tent in the camp and they would look and they would see Moses going into the tent with the Shekinah glory, the fire over the tent by night and the cloud by day. And Moses would come back to the camp. But there was an individual who stayed in the tent. And that was Joshua. And as we look at a brief thing here with Joshua I want you to think, are you like a Joshua? Here, as we open up in this beginning part of Joshua, he's an older man. But think of where he's come from. Think of the whole story of Moses and all the things that Moses have go- has gone through. Joshua was right there with him. Joshua was one of the spies, remember, with Caleb that went into the land of Canaan, that went into Israel. And he was only one of two that came back with a positive report. Because he knew God's word. He clung to God's word. Where those other ten spies, they were fluctuating back and forth. They were going wilderness, promised land, wilderness, promised land. And they ended up dying in the, prom- in the wilderness, in the desert. They died there. They never entered into God's promises. Now, in verse 2, Joshua is told to arise and go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So we know that God has given them this land and they're traveling to it, but it's not without trials and tribulations and hard times. Things are going on. Family members are perishing. Okay, there's reality happening around them throughout this time that they're traveling through the wilderness. But some are clinging to the promises of God and others are just complaining and bickering and wondering what's going on. A lot like our families maybe, or our church, or maybe people at work, or we all know people that are on both sides of this issue. Verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Now, if Joshua is a type of Christ... And it says in verse 3 that every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. In our journey with the Lord, do we see progress in our walk with him? I mentioned the treadmill before. Or are we on a treadmill that it seems like we're not going anyplace? Except at times we feel like we're falling off the treadmill going in the wrong direction. I want you to be really uh, alert and conscious of what the Lord is trying to say to us through his word tonight about our progress with him forward. Today, uh, as most of you know, I'm a public school teacher, and there was a senior. I have a duty that's uh, hall duty, so you're just in the halls for about a half an hour. And uh, a couple girls came up to a few of the teachers who were on hall duty, and they have these wristbands. You know, like the ones that we've seen is Jesus is Lord or uh, WWJD, whatever. Now they have wristbands that are in the shape of like animals, like an elephant. If you take it off, it looks like an elephant and they wear it or a hippopotamus or a T-Rex or whatever. So I said, oh, man, I I haven't seen those. And I said, what other animals do they have? Now, two of the animals I like is a frog and a monkey, so that's the two I brought up. And she said, oh, yeah, they have frogs, they have monkeys. And they go, oh, we'll try to get you one, coach. We'll try to get you one. I said, oh, that would be cool. And then the girl said, do you know a frog never goes backwards? It can only go forwards because of how its anatomy is. And I never thought about that. You never see a, jo- a frog going backwards. If, if you come up on a frog, I remember I loved catching frogs as a kid, it would always pivot and then jump. You know, I want to jump back and then go the other way. So we need to be like frogs. We need to keep going forward. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, one of the important things, too, in, in that part of verses 3 and 5 is that we want to be... Always having the Lord going before us. So we know the area he's traveling. And we'll see that a little bit with the Ark of the Covenant tonight. It was always visible to the people. They needed to know where the Ark of the Covenant was going so that they could follow it. Now remember, we're talking Joshua has inherited Moses' responsibility which was the millions of people that were following them from Egypt going to the promised land. And we know that a lot of them died. All the adults died. We're talking about those young people that were the offsprings of the people who died in the wilderness, that they're the ones that are going to enter into the promised land. But notice verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Can you from experience cling to that promise that God will never leave you or forsake you? Or, like me, have you had times where you can really relate to the footprints card? You know, Lord, Where were you when I was going through that difficult trudging through, you know, the deep sand, getting hit by the waves? Where were you? Only to find out after a period of time, you realize that the Lord was with you, carrying you through that time. It was his set of footprints in the sand. If it wasn't, if he wasn't carrying you, you would have been drowned by the water and buried in the sand. But he kept you going. He kept you moving forward. Now, there is a command, there's a um, urgency, there is an encouragement in verse six to be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I want to look at be strong and good courage. For me to say to you, or for somebody to say to me, or if I'm coaching a game and I say to my kids, be strong, be of good courage. There's a reason I'm saying that. Because I don't want them to be fearful and lack courage. Be strong and of good courage is a thing that God wants us to know, that this is not going to be easy. You're going to be tested. We all have been tested. But we need to be strong and of good courage. Now, I can go in the weight room and pump 365 24-7. But this is not the strength that God is talking about. I can go to a Marine boot camp for a few months and have the sergeant break me down and build me back up and have that courage. But this is not the courage we're talking about. It's not by our might or our strength, but by its, it's by his spirit. You see? And being earthly dwellers with a sin nature, it's very easy to look for earthly courage and strength versus the true lasting strength and courage that comes from And only comes from God's Holy Spirit. Joshua dwelt and tabernacled with the Lord. He was in that tent. He didn't leave it. That's where you and I need to be. We need to be right with the Lord, 24-7-365. And we need to encourage one another that way. What's coming on this world? What's coming on to our society? What's going to happen February 11th now, you know, with the uh, nut job from Iran? What's going to happen? Are we ready? Are we of strength and good courage in the Lord to be ready for those people who need an answer? Are we ready to give that answer and that encouragement and that guidance? Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now notice it's to observe in verse 7, to observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. For you and I, that's his word that we shouldn't turn from his word to the right or to the left, that we stay right in the center of his word, that we know his word so well, all of his word, not just a piece of Joshua, not just things that we pull out tonight. Bible studies are appetizers for you to dive in to the smorgasbord of God's word. For you to eat and snack on anytime you want. Middle of the night. Get up. Go to the refrigerator of God's word. Dive into it. Get fed. Know his word inside out. Be like Joshua. Because remember, Joshua led a group of people. And a lot of those people didn't know what they were doing or where they were going. But they followed a leader. You might be the leader at your job. You might be the leader in your family. You might be the leader in a a group that you run, whatever. You don't have to try to lead if you're in the center of God's word. That will just be a natural flow of walking with the Lord. Joshua was just following God. People followed Joshua as a result of following God. And I'm sure there were hundreds of thousands of people that knew it was God and this was a man of God following God the God of Israel. Verse 8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Is God's word on your mouth, on your lips? Is it honey to you? Is it a sweetness to you? Do you meditate on it day, day and night? Not only is it on your lips, but it's in your mind. You know God's word. You can apply it to any situation, good or bad. When temptation comes, when you're faced with an incident, can you just know because God's word is in your head, you can speak it from your lips because it's buried deep in your heart so you won't sin against him. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. What three neat things there. The word of God on your mouth, on your lips, in your head, and in your actions. It's not just talk. It's actions. That is awesome. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When will you have a prosperous way? And when will you have good success? When his word is on your lips, in your mind, and in your actions. Verse 9 Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Boy, how important. How many times just now? I think a few times already be strong, be of good courage. Be strong, be very courageous. And then we see it again be strong and of good courage. Remember, he's saying this for a reason because our flesh is going to try to be fearful. Our flesh is going to try to uh, see giants in the land. Today, do you feel like you have a load of a million people on your shoulders? Do you feel like you're trudging through knee-deep sand? Are you in a hot situation that you don't know how you're going to get out of? Are the things you're doing not seeming prosperous or people just aren't listening to you? Or are you fearful that the things that you're doing might not have good repercussions? Well, then we just have to center back to what God tells us to do. Tabernacle with him. Spend time alone with him. Have his word on your lips, in your mind, and in your actions. It'll all flow together. We have the promise in verse 9 of not to be afraid and knowing that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But the question is, where you go do you take the Lord with you? That's a big question now. We come here tonight. We bring the Lord with us. Oh, this is cool, Lord. I want you to speak to my heart. But tomorrow, uh, Lord, I'm going to leave you here in the car. I'll be back in half an hour. Do we take him with us wherever we go? He is right there with you. You can't fool him. You can fool some of the people some of the time. But you can't fool Jesus. Verse 10, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to the land. I'm sorry, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now, three days. Three days. How long is three days when you're waiting for a promise of God to take place? Three days. Whew. can seem like a lifetime when you're praying for a situation in your life to happen or a situation in a loved one's life to take place. Maybe it's an unsafe family member. Maybe you've been praying more than three days for that unsaved family member, huh? Maybe it's somebody that's sick and you've been praying a long time and you don't really see too many results. And it's easy to get discouraged, it's easy to get down. It's like you're on that treadmill and you're going nowhere. Three days. Well, you know what? It's three days in this situation was God's perfect timing for this situation. God wasn't late. He knew just what was going on. There was a reason three days was going to take place. Things were going to take place in those three days. That was going to be a blessing to the people who were involved in this situation. For how many years have they heard about the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey? And now they're saying, hey, only three more days we're going to enter in. Verse 12, And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest, as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan towards the sunrise. So they answered Joshua saying, All that you command us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heed of Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Now this tribe, or these three tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, They had conquered this land on the one side of the Jordan, but this was not the land that was part of the promised land on the other side of the Jordan. But these two and a half tribes did not want to enter into the promised land where God was taking them. For you and I, these are the people who only go so far with the Lord, and they don't want to go all the way. They're content being right where they are. They don't want all the promises of the Lord. They don't want all of the Lord. Canaan is a picture of rest and victory for you and I. It's a place of rest and victory. The book of Joshua and the book of Ephesians both describe a spiritual walk of promise Wealth and victory that is ours in Jesus. And again, not the wealth that we're talking millions of dollars, but the spiritual wealth and the spiritual victory and the spiritual promises that are so much better than the million dollars, billion dollars, it doesn't matter what it is. That's all monopoly money. That's all perishing as we see it in our society today. But we're talking about the eternal things. The eternal things that God has given us here while we're on this earth and that we'll continue to live in an eternity one day. Now, Egypt is a type of the world. We've heard this before. Egypt is a type of the world. When God was delivering the people from Egypt, it wasn't to bring them into the wilderness and to leave them there. It was to bring them into the Land of milk and honey was into the promised land, the enjoyment of the land of Canaan. For you and I, that's the abundant life Christ has for us here on this earth to enter into that land. The deliverance from sin to enjoy an abundant life. The wilderness is never God's permanent destination for any believer. It wasn't for the people that were led out of Egypt. But they got caught up in the scenery. They were complaining. They weren't clinging to the promises of God and and waiting and trusting in Him for that one day thing when it was coming. They wanted it now. And for them, they ended up dying in the desert. And now these people are three days away. But this one group wants to stay on the other side. Where are you? Are you of those two and a half tribes that are just content where you are in the Lord right now? Are you seeking him and pursuing him and want to get everything he wants to give you? Like everything. Not even knowing what that is. You just say, Lord, I just want to keep going with you and growing stronger in you. Reveal more and more of yourself to me. I can't get enough of you, Lord. Is that your desire and your heart's cry? If it isn't, ask the Lord to give you that desire. We don't want anybody left behind on the other side of the Jordan. We want to go where God wants to bring us. Not where we want to stay. But it's very nice on that side of the Jordan, they said. We have all our family. We have all our herds. We don't want to keep pursuing. We're going to worn out. Again, whose strength are you and I taking our journey through this life in? Is it our own strength or it is the Lord's? If you're going to worn out in your walk with Jesus... Time out. Time out. 30 second time out. Is his words on your lips? Is it in your mind? And it is in your actions. If your answer is two out of three, yeah. One out of three. No, no, no. It's gonna be three out of three. Two out of three in baseball is awesome. Two out of three on free throw is pretty good. Two out of three passes, alright. Two out of three in this, uh eh. Gong show, you're out. You need all three. They're all connected. It's very important. So what do we do? You get along with the Lord. You spend time with him. You worship him. You worship him. You get ready. You prepare your heart, your mind, your spirit. And then you just go to the refrigerator of his word and start eating. Pick out what you want. Grapes. Oh, there's a steak. Chew on it. Digest it. Go after it hard. Alan Redpath, who uh, has gone on to be with the Lord, was a pastor. And he had a motto over his kitchen sink that said, divine service is conducted here three times a week. It was right over the kitchen sink. Divine service is conducted here three times a week. And what he meant by that is, as far as the spiritual application is, when you do the small things faithful, God brings into your life bigger things to do. Joshua had been an assistant to Moses for a long time, preparing him for bigger things. The book of Joshua shows some of the big things that God had prepared him to do. Now, what I want to do in the next 10 minutes... Oh, look at this. Look how slow time's going tonight. Is that amazing? <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> what I want to do in the next 10 minutes or so is Joshua is an older man right now, but I want to pick out some nuggets in the next several chapters, okay? So we're going to go right to chapter 2, And we're going to try to get a little flavor of what's going on and see how it it falls into place for you and me. In chapter 2. God doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance and salvation. If you go to verse 11 of chapter 2, it says, And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, this was the prostitute Rahab that was speaking these words to the spies that were sent into the land by Joshua now this time. And Rahab had heard some of the things that were going on. With the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And notice what was going on. Their hearts were melting. You know, that's a good thing. When our hearts melt, when they get broken. So that God can restore it. That's a good thing. It's better than having a hard heart to the things of God. To be touched by God. To have people in your lives. That will not judge you but come right in your face and say, hey, you're sinning. And now it's out on the table. What do you do? What do you do? When the Holy Spirit shows you, whether it's through his word or through another person, that, hey, they found a closet that I knew existed and there's some skeletons in there. What do I do now? Do I clean them out? Or do I bury them? Rahab was somebody that the Lord sought out in the city of Jericho by two spies. Think about that. Two spies. Of all the places they went, they went after, went to this place, this lady's house. How much does God love you? You don't think you deserve it? Well, God says otherwise. He came from heaven to show you how valuable each one of us are. That's pretty awesome. And then, the result of Rahab, notice what else happened to her. She didn't have any courage. She was fearful. But remember God's um, encouragement, be courageous. Don't fear. Be of good courage. Be strong. But you know, fear and a lack of courage can be a good thing if it's your coming from your physical. If you're trying to promote your strength and courage and all of a sudden you lose it to be replaced by God's spirit and his confidence and his courage and his strength, that's a good exchange. That's the exchange we want. Uh, ver- uh, chapter 3. Verse 3, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. This is what I had referred to before. The Ark of the Covenant was always before the people. And notice, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, you know, as a believer in Jesus, if you're here tonight and you're a born-again believer, the Bible calls you, a king and a priest. You represent God before people who aren't believers. You're just like the priests were. They represented God to the people. And you can go to God on behalf of the people, just like the priest did. You can intercede on their behalf. Hopefully we all take advantage of those kind of things. But also here, when God is going before us, it's easy to follow. But if I'm ahead of the Lord and I don't see the Lord, how do I know what direction to go now? But if God's in front of me, it's easy. Don't outrun God. Don't get ahead of him. Don't get ahead of him. It's important. Check where you are. You know, you've got to keep... Let him lead. Okay? When uh, bicycle, the racers, the bike racers are going, one of the things they do when they're getting tired is they draft and they go behind a couple of the leaders. And the current just pulls them. They can rest a little bit. Well, our rest is in the Lord. We need to let him lead. We have to be in his draft. Okay? Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I love that verse. Joshua, remember, Jehovah is salvation, said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify, set yourself apart, get in the tent, hang out with the Lord, worship him, read his word, have his word on your lips, in your heart, in your mind, actions, in, your, in the things that you do. And what's the result of that going to be? The Lord is going to do wonders in your life. You have his promise. Now, have you had wonders going on in your life? Can you say, oh, yeah, man, just this past week, there were five wonders, wonderful things. They were so wonderful. It blew me away. Or are you like, oh no, man? What are you guys? What are you talking about? I'm like, I'm up to my knees in the sand. I'm getting buried. I'm getting hit by the waves. Okay, well, if you're feeling that, the sand, the sun, the wind, the waves, understand. God is trying to get your attention. He loves you. He doesn't want that for you. He wants to bring you through that. But he also knows that that is a time of preparation. For something more important that he has for you later on. You can't give up. You got to get up. You got to get up. And you got to pursue the Lord. Just go after him. He wants you to do that. So don't give up. Get up. Verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. Now, the people got up and went. Remember, there was a whole group of people on the other side that weren't going to cross over. It was just the men of war that were going to go and fight the enemies in the promised land. And I want to highlight that there are enemies until we meet the Lord face to face. Just because you go into the promised land doesn't mean it's kickback time, get the hammock out. There are battles to be fought. OK, but you're resting in the Lord and he is fighting your battles. You're following him. Chapter four. Verse 18. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now I've been fortunate enough to have been to Israel and have seen the Jordan River. Some parts of it you can like jump across it. Other parts you can't. And notice it's like, I I believe it's the springtime now. They're overflowing, water is gushing, there's white water going by. There's a million people that got across it, it's wide. It's not easy to cross. You can't cross it. You have to wait for a dry season. Well, here, the priests were told by the Lord to just start touching it. Went up just like the Red Sea. Now, remember Joshua? Okay, and Moses? And now here's the Jordan River going up again. And it's not only going up, but it's dry land. There's a lot of miracles happening here. It's not muck and mire you have to go through. It's dry land. These guys can walk right across it. Hey, you know yourself, if it's muddy and there's wagons and there's cattle and there's people going across, what a mess that's going to be for a million people. There's going to be people falling over, crushing each other, the whole thing. No, it's dry land. God took care of the situation. God will take care of your situation, whatever you're in, whatever you're going through. What chapter am I in, guys? Four. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Verse 23 and 24. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now notice why this took place. Not only was it a blessing for the people who were obeying the Lord, but remember, I don't know if there was a million people on fire that were following Joshua and these priests over, but it was also for the people of the earth that they would know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. Like a Rahab, they were going to hear about these exploits. And they were going to come to the saving knowledge through the obedience of other people. That's pretty awesome. We see here a visible sign of God's caring, a visible sign of his character, a visible sign of his power. Now one of the things that these guys did, they were told by the Lord to put up stones that they could always refer back to these landmarks when their kids ask them, what took place? What are these stones here for? That they could say the mighty works of the Lord. Do you have memorial stones? Not a pile of (laughs) stones somewhere in your yard or something. But do you have points in your life that you can look back to and see things that the Lord drastically did in your life and it was a propelling point for you. Maybe it was when you were 10, 15, 17, 21. Who knows? And it doesn't always have to be a good thing. It can be an altar experience where you had to die to yourself in order for the Lord to give you new life to move forward with him. Think of those. Think of some of the places you've come from and what the Lord's done in his love for you and how he's going to continue to be faithful to his promises. Chapter 6, there's a lot of obstacles in chapter 6. A lot of things come crashing down. It's the story of Jericho. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard it, but real quickly, the only thing is when the Lord's word is obeyed, Obstacles start getting smaller and smaller. Because God's word is obeyed. Chapter 7. There was sin in the camp. There's a whole lot of Achan going on. (laughs) Right? The story of Achan. And him hiding the gold and the garments in his tent. And after a mighty victory in Jericho, they lose a a battle in Ai. One of the reasons, the main reason, is because of sin in the camp. It affects everyone. Is there sin in your tent? Is there sin in your heart? Is there sin in my heart? Is there something we're still holding on to that's keeping us from gaining victory and experience God's abundant life? It doesn't have to stay that way. Why? Why are we doing this? We know that sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end is death. Remember the people on the other side of the Jordan, they're going to be isolated now. They're not moving to where God wanted them to go. They're now cut off by the Jordan from their family who's moved into the promised land where God is dwelling. Now they're open to the attack of the enemy because they're the Lone Ranger Christians. They're not a vibrant part of a living body of Christ. The area that this took place in, where Achan was, is known as the valley of trouble. And that's what it is. When we keep that sin in our life, whatever it may be, it's just going to be a valley of trouble for us. It's going to be a heartache. It's going to be a terrible time. Verse 8, or chapter 8, 26, verse 26. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Ai was pagan. They were totally against God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was vicious with the sin of the land. You and I need to be vicious with any sin in our lives. It needs to be totally and utterly destroyed. Not an ounce of it can stay alive in us for us to move on with the Lord to where he purposes us to go. Okay, that is so crucial for all of us. Verse 35 of the same chapter. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded. We need to know from Genesis to Revelation, from in the beginning to the amen. We need to know the whole counsel of God's word. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't been on a Bible reading program, get on it. Just pick it up where it is, where it's supposed to be. February 3rd. Don't say, I'll wait till the new year and I'll start right on January 1st. No, that's the enemy. He wants you to do that. That's the enemy's strategy, put it off. doesn't matter, just sit again into God's word, it doesn't matter where you dive in. If I dive in the, well I won't dive in, if I jump in the low end of a pool, the middle of the pool, or the deep end of the pool, either way I'm going to get part of my body wet. God wants to wet you with his word. He wants to saturate you, he wants to become part of you, so allow him to do that. Chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn, and mended. I'm giving you bits and pieces. This is appetizers. You want to find out more about what's going on, jump in. I don't care if it's the low end, the middle end, or the deep end. Just jump in. But what's going on here is now they're in the promised land. What we're reading about the Gibeonites were enemies of the Lord. But they were fearful. They weren't of good courage. They weren't strong. They were the physical. They were the worldly people. But they heard what the people of God was going on with them. And they were fearful and they were trembling. So they deceived Joshua and his army and his group. But I want you to see why there was a deception shouldn't have happened. And it wasn't the people's fault who was doing the deceiving. It was in verse 14, Joshua and his band of renowns. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. They didn't check with the Lord. Should we make an allegiance, a covenant with the Gibeonites? The Gibeonites deceived them. They tricked them. They played to the human heart of the Israelites. And the Israelites got faked out. Chapter 10, verse 10. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to ben Huran, and struck down them as far as Azekah and if I'm saying that right. The Lord routed them. Not Joshua, not his army. The Lord routed them. It was the Lord fighting the battle for them. They were along for the ride. They got back on the right path. They weren't sticking to their own wisdom. Verse 14. And there had been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. The Lord wants to heed your voice if your heart is hard after him. The the sun stood still. Chapter 11, verse 15. As the Lord had commanded Moses his servant so Moses commanded Joshua and so Joshua did he left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses Are we doing all that God wants us to do or are we going to at the end of our is our legacy going to be I did two out of three of the things the Lord wanted Doesn't have to be lips Mind, heart, and actions. It's all connected. It's all flows. Chapter 12 talks about a whole mess of kings that are enemies of the people of Israel. I want to say they're kings with a small k. There are a lot of enemies out there that still want to affect your life and mine. But when we are traveling with the king of kings, capital K, those small kings will be defeated. However, if we're looking through fleshly eyes, those small kings look like giants in the land. And we might lose our courage and our strength Because it isn't the Lord's courage and strength, it's ours. And then we've got to refocus. We've got to get back in the right area with the Lord. And finally, in chapter 13, verse 1, Now Joshua was old, advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old. You're advanced in years, Joshua. Joshua. And you need to lay down and rest. No, doesn't say that. It says, "And there remains very much land yet to be possessed." You're not done yet, Joshua. I got more for you to do. So get up. Don't give in. Get up and go. Caleb is awesome. So's Daniel as a teenager and David as a teenager. He can use teenagers, he can use middle age, he can use older people. Doesn't matter. Where's your heart? Does it meditate on the things of the Lord? Where it's coming out of your mouth, it's in your head, your brain is washed by the word of God, and it's evident in your actions. Let's pray. Father, thank you.